Welcome back to the True Transformation Podcast. It is your host, Josiah Novak, owner of the truetransformation.com and author of Diet Suck, now available on Amazon. Today I'm sitting down with my good friend, Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez, or as he's known in online circles and on the social media stratosphere, Ajak. Alexander Cortez, health and fitness expert, writer, podcaster, speaker. Uh, this guy has been in health and fitness for well over a decade. Someone I consider to be uh, someone you want to listen to when it comes to not just health and fitness advice, but life, world advice, political advice. His approach to living and becoming a man uh, is one that I highly recommend you pay attention to. He's most recently come across or gone through, I should say, some adversity in regards to Twitter. Twitter uh, is where he has really risen in popularity. He's got uh, quite a few loyal followers, um, a large amount of followers. He puts out incredible information each day, but his Twitter account got permanently deleted uh, because of some controversial tweets, which we talk about inside our podcast. Luckily, the Twitter gods smiled favorably on Alexander and brought his Twitter account back from the dead right before we did the podcast. So we actually, I actually hosted Alexander here in Washington, D.C., and we did the podcast for my show. We did his podcast, and we also recorded uh, quite a bit of content for a new program that we're going to be dropping here in the next week or two called 90 Days to Diesel, specifically for guys who want to build muscle, who have had a difficult time figuring out the right strategies, the right training program, the right nutrition plan to build quality, impressive muscle. So we sat down, we created the program, we did the podcast, ate some good food, talked about a lot of different things. I think you'll find this podcast really, really cool and interesting. Make sure you connect with Alexander on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I put all his links to connect to his social media inside the podcast description. Without further ado, let's welcome my good friend and fellow fitness expert, Alexander Cortez. Welcome to the True Transformation Podcast with your host, me, Josiah Novak. Welcome to the podcast. Here's my daddy, Josiah Novak. Alex, what's up, brother? We're live. What's up, Josiah? <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because when I scheduled the show with you, at the time, I, I reached out because I was like, I'm trying to get you on my show for, honestly, bro, it's probably been a year. I think it has. I, you, you, I think, I want to say you hit me up. Yeah, it might have been 2018. I don't know. Oh, it definitely was. We're like, uh, like let's do something. In 2018. Yeah, I, think, I think we had scheduled something prior. Yep. And I don't know if it was you know, kids got sick, some, something of that familial nature. Then familiar. like scheduled, rescheduled. I'll hit you up when I have time. Okay, yeah, whenever, whenever I'll works well, out, brother. There you go. There you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so I remember reaching out. We tried to get it scheduled. Whatever happened, we didn't get it scheduled. And then you were always on my radar to like, hey, we, we're gonna get the podcast done. And then I decided cutting off doing virtual interviews, and I want to get some you know more in person stuff. And then the timing of your Twitter account getting shut down, I think for the second time in like a year or something like yeah. that. This time, though, it felt like it was permanent. And that's when I reached out. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this is good timing because you're more than likely to have a little extra time mm-hmm. on your hands. Definitely, definitely. Because you're so active on Twitter. And I was like, that was a good time to get it scheduled. And then 
lo and behold, here we are. You have your Twitter account back. Yes, which was well, that was unexpected. Um, yeah, since originally when I when you contacted me about commenting the podcast, I was uh, I was all about it because I'm like, all right, if Twitter's gone, let me you know use the relationships I built with other people and start building things that are like the side you, what I call the deem the sideline networks. Mm. So you have these social media platforms and you can use them to network and build relationships with people. But you can't reasonably depend upon them to always be there for you because if you are slightly, moderately, extremely controversial, there's always a chance you can be kicked off. So you can't have your business be dependent upon that social media presence. So my thinking was I'd come here, we'd collaborate with you know, like the 90 Days to Diesel program that we're creating, sure, putting together. Yeah. And then like, all right, let's sort of launch something that'll be totally new, it'll be cool. But then, you know, then I got Twitter account back, which is a good thing overall. Yes, like this, it absolutely. allows us to you know get more people on the program, so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said... <laughs> I'm laughing because you said if you're a little controversial, but the reason you got banned, I mean, we have to talk about it, right? I mean, we have to because for me, um, you know, just just you know, being a father, right? And I see someone who's passionate about things that I'm passionate about, and I see you post something about pedophilia, right? Which is, I think, what led to yeah, this, being right? being can, anti, give us the back being anti so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the way the Twitter algorithm works, because I've actually learned this like quite well over the years of, and I've been I've been suspended before, and the algorithm is generally it's run by it's not run by people it's run by a computer and then people review it, so you can, to a level unless you incite violence against a group where you say to somebody on Twitter I'm going to kill you mm. you can actually be pretty degrading and insulting and I could readily say like have I been an asshole to people like you know tweets about gamers of humans oh yeah like I, I am completely understandable as to why someone would be like you're a piece of shit fuck you I'm like yeah you know what I, that was pretty shitty I'm like I'm not you know, I'm not taking it back because I don't feel bad about it but like yeah I could totally understand someone being offended um, you know, like the beautiful woman tweets like you could be mm. offended by those was that controversial was that was that calling for violence no but like you could say it was controversial at least if you're an American woman you have entitlement and you're you know poisoned by feminism okay um, and you know the, the only time it ever actually had been suspended for something was ironically enough it was months and months and months ago i want to say it was like in may of this year hmm. it was a one-week suspension and this is the problem with the algorithm when it just looks for stuff on on twitter is that the algorithm can't identify context at all so i was having a conversation with somebody and we were actually talking about i want to say there was like lifting weights and i was talking about the role of gravity and lifting of like you know well, why should you lift weights i'm like well we live on a gravity-based environment we're getting pulled down to the earth all the time like sure. being, mus being muscular being strong that's how you keep your body healthy. You're able to defy gravity. You age better, posture, all these things. And somehow, some guy was arguing like, "Well, I don't, I don't know if he disagreed or, I, I don't know what the misunderstanding was." I'm like, "Well, if you don't believe in gravity, like, you know, like go jump off a roof. Like, clearly, gravity is real." <laughs> oh, and so, like that was actually that was the tweet, and it was, you know, this was in jest. It wasn't like, <laughs> right, you know, right. go kill yourself. Right. I got, I got suspended for a week for that tweet because the algo thought like, "Well, you're threatening. You're, you're telling someone to go commit suicide." I'm like. Okay, I, I, now I this is a okay. I, I get that this thing oh is God. kind of like a monster how it operates. Um, so the recent tweet that got me supposedly permanently suspended. It was supposed to be permanent. It was, and then by the grace of just having a lot of friends, a lot of people that got my name trending, um, and appealing a whole bunch of times, I actually got my account back after God knows how many appeals. Sure. Um, but it was uh, it was a quote tweet of mine where it, I, it was an article, and it, the article essentially said to the effect of, as I paraphrase. You know, pedophilia, it's an incurable condition. Uh, pedophiles cannot be changed by anything. And I quote tweeted it, and I said, it was just uh, two, two words. It was castration can. You know, castration <laughs> can change them, that being the implication. And I got suspended for that, like permanent suspension, because yeah. underneath, like this is what's crazy about Twitter, you know, underneath the Terms of Service Agreement, the TOS, I think, yeah, and I'm, you know, I might be saying this suppositionally, but it seems to be the case that 
pedophilia is actually a protected class because it is considered by some definition of sexual orientation. And you can't incite violence or threaten violence of any which way against asexual orientation. Now, obviously, you know, the, the, critic, uh, the criticism of that is, well, yeah, how is pedophilia a protected class? Sure. And I thought this was, I thought it was bullshit when someone told me this after I got suspended. I'm like, I, I can't figure out why I got kicked off. And they're like, well, I saw your tweet and there have, there's been a lot of accounts that have been kicked off for that. And they sent me a whole bunch of examples of people. Uh, wow. And there's a guy, Robbie Soov, I want to say his name was on Twitter. He had gotten suspended and then he got his account back for very much the same thing where he was referring to pedophilia in, in similar lines, something along the effect of, you know, maybe, you know, like, you know, castration or, uh, you know, euthanization is the only way to take care of this problem. Right. And then, like, he got he got his account suspended, which, you know, is very absurd that that's protected on Twitter. Yeah, like, or that's protected speech. That's a protected class on Twitter. But that's that's the reality of the world we live in. So, yeah, it's crazy because I mean, if you compare, so sexual orientation would be like one of the last things mm -hmm. I think of when it comes to pedophilia, right? I mean, that, that'd yeah. be like someone saying, you know, if we're going to the dark ages of saying like someone who's homosexual, that, that's a crime, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there, one is illegal, right? One one is punishable by prison and other things. But one is just someone's choice of sexual preference. To think that. There's some powers that be out there that are protecting this. It's kind of disturbing. I mean, yeah, honestly, it's very disturbing. Honestly, like I, of, of all things, I would never. Cons I would have assumed I'd gotten kicked off for maybe being reported a bunch of times. But that it was, yeah, it was yeah. nothing to do with that. It was that it was that singular tweet that was, uh, I guess, somehow considered, you know, violence. And then you know, the report I got back from Twitter later on was like, oh, it was a mistake. Um, we, yeah, we kicked you off for for spam, but. Yeah, so who knows what the real story is? Um, yeah, are we, are we, so they did try to we, save face. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they tried to save it? face, but I mean, like, I, yeah, I mean, I could, they could kick me off again for saying all this. It's like, oh, you mother, <laughs> we're both you motherfucker. Like, we try, like, we gave you a chance. Now, like, fuck you. I'm like, you know, who knows if they ever hear this? But yeah, this it, it makes you realize that these platforms are run by human beings, and they have mm -hmm. biases. And some of them, who knows? Some of these people might work. These companies might be sick people. These are not. Yeah, you know, te tech companies are not moral gods. These are not run by perfect mm -hmm. human beings that have. You already want to call it, you know, biblical level wisdom as to what is the nature of good and evil. These are people with clear, clear political biases. Sure. And they have very much taken moral high ground position. And I've seen that devolve the last three years where, yeah, you have a segment of people on the East and West Coast, like the, liberal, like the coastal elites, where they firmly believe that what they think is true and good and correct. And it is of moral imperative that their beliefs be championed. And anyone that contradicts them is uh, whatever, you know, racist, Nazi, Trump supporter, uh, evil, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you want to say, patriarchal. I mean, you can run down the list of, you know, like the, the political insults. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, this is why, you know, the modern United States, obviously, U.S. society, it's so par split along, I must even say partisan lines, but it's ideological lines. You know, yeah. you have people where they've committed to what I would consider cultural Marxist ideology of relativism, not having defined moral values. You're really just being based in irrational insanity, um, you know, anti-science, anti-logic. And then you have people that have so-called, you know, conservative slash traditional values, which are really just those values that are time-tested and proven by human history. Sure. Um, yeah, they're and they're completely at odds with each other. Uh, and I don't see, I, don't, I see no reconciliation at all because you have two people that they want completely different ways of thinking, being, living, and what they value. But now, but, you know, that said, then you see sort of like this this metaconscious fight that takes place online, where uh, you know, depending upon you know how you design your social media, you can have it be very virtuous, or you could have or you could be witnessing people at each other's throats 24-7. Hmm. And, and, and even if you try to avoid getting drawn into those sort of battles, you inevitably do at some point, because there, there is no way... You cannot have a position today on anything and not be offending someone. You know, being apolitical is political. Sure. You know, like, yeah. I've heard, 
you know, Taylor Swift got criticized for this for years. Now she kind of went pro-Democrat, whatever. But, you know, Taylor Swift for a long time, she was a good example of a brand where, like, she would never comment on politics. Mm. And, like, that was a good thing, right? Yeah. And then, you know, like, the past, you know, and she would, the, the funny thing was she'd get criticized. Well, you know, she's not being political. She should be speaking out for something. Right. She'd be so, yeah, so everyone has to be an activist now for something, um, you know, at least on, like, mm. the level of, uh, you know, like, superficiality. You know, I mean, then the reality is, like, you know, U.S. society, this is why, you know, my, I'm not, whether I'm going to leave permanently or go overseas for a period of time, you know, I, I'm tired of, like, sort of the social bickering online. And yeah. Until you get outside the United States and you realize that the U.S. lives in sort of this clown world bubble, sure. what things are, thinks is important, you don't realize how insane it is. You know, and, and to really have a positive social media experience and use these, use these platforms devices, you have to very actively curate and create barriers to your attention. Mm. Um, and, and that's something that actually is interesting about Twitter, that... There is sort of like the self-improvement Twitter, you know, Manosphere Twitter, where it's actually just very overall just like positive message focus. It's not, it's sure. not really complaining. It's not bitching about politics. It's not people trying to have fights with each other. And like anything, there's always gossip and there's always like petty conflict. Yeah. But, but overall, you can actually tailor your social media experience to be pretty fulfilling and pretty educational, which is like I really emphasize that message now with like my subscribers, you know, my fans, my following, where you know, if you're going to use these things you're either sort of like a consumer or producer like they, they your tools can use you or you can use them mm. you know and like and which one's it going to be and of course you could argue that if you're using a tool it's also using you you can go back and forth with that sort of stupid argument but you know this use use that heuristic you know, is my attention being consumed by this thing where i think it's important or am i actually using this to improve myself sure yeah yeah i mean i the consumer producer thing i think often gets lost in context too because you know someone might say well i'm not selling anything Right, so I'm just a I'm just a consumer now. Is that what you're saying? It's like, well, no, you can still be a producer. You're producing positive change in your life by paying attention to certain things on Twitter and not paying attention to a lot of the riffraff that happens, a lot of the time wasting that takes place, a lot of the pointless arguments and the dick measuring contests. Right, oh, those, those things are are consumer actions. They're consumer behavior um, versus producing whether it's positive thought or whatever, motivation, inspiration, whatever you want to call it, right? That's a producer strategy, even if you're not selling anything. Yeah, you don't have to be selling anything, but like, like you're saying, I've been very surprised by the, the number of people that have contacted me. I mean, it's in the thousands at this point for the last three years where they started following myself on Twitter. Yeah, maybe they started following Ed Lattimore. They started, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe they f- started following yourself. So they, there's, like, there's sort of like this collective group of guys that are loosely affiliated. They started following these, these men. And then over the course, like one or two years, they actually did actively improve themselves. They found role models. They took advice to heart. They started. They started lifting weights. They started sure. fatting themselves. They started being more focused. They you know, maybe they stopped getting the stupid arguments online, and they started, you know, like actually like working and like doing their job, or like actually they started hustling harder. Um, they started having better relationships with women, mm. and it's had a really positive effect on them. Like, all right, like that's what you should be using this for. Sure. You know, or it's it's very otherwise it's very easy just to become that person just scrolls through their phone and they're just. They're mo- they live and die by their reactions to what they read. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, yeah, as much as I'm on Twitter, like I pay attention to very, very little. Yeah. It doesn't, it, my, my mood is not regulated by my, my Twitter following or my Twitter feed um, or any of my social media for that matter. Mm. Um, which people don't want to believe that. But at the same time, like it, there's always that weird criticism. I'm like, oh, well, you're, you're on social media. I'm like, yeah, on a very basic level, I make money off of this. I right. built my business to well over six figures a year, you know, promoting myself, selling my products, selling my programs. Sure. Building a social following. And the only way to do that and stay sane doing it is you have to have both you know, a very deep investment in it along with an extreme level of detachment. Mm. You have to do that. Otherwise, you, you are one of those people like like sort of like regular, let's say, like you know, Hollywood celebrities. If you become attached to the fame and you like the fame monster takes over your life, it will absolutely destroy you, eat you alive. And I, I've, we've all seen that with people where they get big on social media for 
you know, whatever reason, going viral or, you know, right. uh, they somehow acquire a following almost by accident. And they don't know what to do with it. And they start asking the following, like, well, what, what, what should I talk about? What should I say? You know, or they say the wrong thing. Like we see that you see this on the left a lot, where they'll cannibalize each other all the time. Sure. Someone says something out of out of turn uh, that contradicts sort of like the liberal lunatic orthodoxy, and like now they have to be taken down and canceled. Um, like, and that, and that can all be avoided, obviously. If, if you really want to use social media and like you know promote a positive message, you can avoid all that by you know one caring deeply about what your message is, but mm-hmm. caring deeply about what your message is. But two, you really have to not give a fuck about what anyone else says. Hmm. There's yeah. there's very very few people who I follow where actually like I would take their advice and like their opinions and things. I mean I can name them all off. It's literally like sure. a handful of guys and we've all come up together on it. Yeah. And, yeah, and we were all very much surprised at the fact that we even developed a following. You know, I've talked about this with, with like with Ed all the time. Sam and I, you know, we're fairly close. It's like we never ever expected our lives to to be these pu- public, you know, or whatever Twitter <laughs> celebrity figures. I'm like, but it happened. So like yeah. let's let's capitalize. Let's roll with it. Sure, uh, but, but it is a very surreal thing, you know, being a personal brand that way online, having that kind of social influence, influence and that kind of power. Um, yeah, there's no there's no comparison for it. Yeah, you know, it, it it blows me out of the water all the time, and I, I try to stay very humble with it. I'm like, yeah, like I'm popular on Twitter, okay, like that's cool. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I you know never you know ten years ago when I was in high school, like, did I ever plan being an influencer? Hell no, no. It was it my asp- never even was it my asp- no no it was no one's aspiration. Like I want to get really really popular on. Social media. That wasn't even a thing, you know, in the no. 1990s, early 2000s. That's really only become a thing, like, what, the last three to four years? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, it's a digital fame monster. The reason mo- why most people want it is because they want to be popular. You know, and, you know, in our case, is like, we, we didn't want to be popular. We just were trying to either, you know, sell something, if I'm being honest. Like, I wanted to sure. grow my brand and, you know, sell more products. Um, you know, or it was just almost accidental where it's like, oh, people keep uh, hitting me up. Maybe I'll write a book. All right. I guess I do mm-hmm. say useful things. Oh, the book actually was success. Or I'll, or I'll do another book. Um, you know, and so on and so forth. So it kind of snow, snowballs. And you know, people feel very attached to you when they see you, you, know, you transform over the years. But then inevitably you also find people that just fucking hate you. That's just their, yeah. You know, and, their MO. Yeah, but you rise like if you, if you, again, like the more you expose yourself to people, the more known you become. You cannot please everybody all the time. Yeah, and and that goes even on the personal level for anyone in their life where they're trying to change themselves. You're going to cause cognitive dissonance in people once you start trying to actually improve your th- improve yourself. You know, whether that's in fitness or money or relationships, there's going to be very likely somebody in your life that has a problem with it. Yeah, like we very you true. know this from working in the fitness industry. Like how, how many clients get pushed back from their families oh, when they start to lose body fat? I mean, that that's such a common thing. Yeah, it's a threat to that other person's ego, right, or that other person's comfort zone of like, well, shit, I thought, you know, I was in the same boat as you, and now you're you're jumping ship, and you're doing something that I was, you know, I knew in the back of my head that I needed to do, but I wasn't, I didn't have the balls to go do it. It just preys on that insecurity, and, you know, I mean, people like to surround themselves. I think that's why, you know, my friend Tanner uh, Guzzi mm-hmm. on uh, Twitter, he encouraged me for so many, so many years, really, uh, to get on Twitter. He was like, you're, you could, you know, really do well on Twitter, and I was like, nah, nah, it's just a bunch of bullshit, a bunch of people arguing, not really for it, and, um, you know, but but surrounding yourself, like, I've always surrounded myself with these people who were big on Twitter, who really did well, and I think people enjoy being surrounded by either success, you know, because they're successful, and they want to be around other people who are successful, or that, like, you know, just failure that they're like, oh, okay, that person next to me, my family, they're all, we're all in the same boat together, we've all failed, we're all overweight, we're all whatever, and misery loves company. Yeah, it does. And like you're, you're, you're always going to be a product of your environment, whether you want to be or not. Mm-hmm. I've said that many times. Like you can't, you're never going to win a war against the environment that you're in. If you're around, 
Yeah, I call it like ascendant or descending relationships. Right. Like right. It's very easy heuristic. Ascending relationships, you have, you're around people that they have standards. Mm. They have standards of excellence. They hold themselves to certain principles and ideals and values. They want to get better at whatever it is they're doing. And they strive to you know, evolve every day, more or less, as a human being, yeah, sure. to improve as a man. Yeah, those are ascendant relationships. You, like, you want those. And then you have descendant ones where you know, the very generic people, that they're, they're stuck. They're in a state of stuckness. They're not going to change. They have bad habits. Uh, you know, sort of mediocrity is the norm for them. Mediocrity yep. is the standard. And if you start doing a little bit better than them, they get very insecure about it because it's sort of the magic mirror to their own, you know, um, you know, their own lacks. You know, so, you know, so which one is it going to be? You know, like it's it's one or the other. Yeah, like there's very, I, I, you could always name exceptions, but there's very situations where someone is really good for you here, but really bad for you there. Someone's either sure. either they're good for you in your life, or they are bad for you. Yeah, you know, like you'll pick one. Yeah, it's pretty black and white. I mean, for mo- for the most part, yeah. I mean, there's there's either good influences or, or not. And I would argue too that if you try to make the case for someone who uh, is we all know it's pretty much a bad influence, but maybe they do one thing well. I would say it's not worth that one thing, right? No. Because of all the other bullshit that they bring to the table that drags you down, just because they might be supportive or, or helpful in one way, it doesn't doesn't balance out the scales, right? There's such a pull. You'd be better off saying, let me go find someone else who could be a mentor in that area and just relieve myself of this baggage, this bullshit, this 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 weight that's pulling me down, uh, because it's just not worth it. And you know, I mean, environment. You're right; is everything. Going to every basic goal that you might have in life, whether it's weight loss, making money, whatever, <laughs> followers on Twitter. Um, it's it, it's all always more than likely going to come down to your environment, or I should say, the environment that you create, because a lot of people feel. Like, well, you know, you guys, like I hear all the time about our Twitter people, oh, you guys are a bunch of circle jerks, right? Like you guys are just sitting around, you know, helping each other, you know. Yeah. We're creating an environment. I always crack up at that one where it's like, you guys are circle jerk each other, you stupid fucks. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, so you have a bunch of guys who want each other's businesses to succeed yeah. and yep. generally care about the other guys doing well. Yeah. So we try to mutually support each other all the time. Like, wow, what, yeah, what a bunch, of, what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> We're just like the fucking worst people online. <laughs> that sounds like the the worst circle jerk I've ever been a part of. Yeah, dude. I mean that. But once again, that's just that that mirror. You know what I mean? I, I just love circle jerk. I'm just picturing like. I don't, oh yeah, no, obviously there's a visual image that comes with that. But then you, I realize too, like a, a lot of men today, they have no one around supportive of them. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's a weird combination. Like you have, it's a thing of like. It's a lack of like, – these people always project. Like, that's the idea. Like, I'm very big on, like, mech theory. People's projection on you is usually is always something that they lack themselves. Mm. So, you know, them calling you a stupid fucking bro meathead, I'm like, I guarantee you that's a guy that's insecure about how he looks, his body. I, I guarantee it. Yeah. Because otherwise, you wouldn't care that much. If you truly did not give a shit about your personal appearance, it would not bother you seeing someone that cares about their personal appearance. Right. You know, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get on Twitter and talk shit about people that are good at things. I'm not good. But I don't care. I, I, no. legit, I don't care. You'll never see me do that, but so people always project. But I realize, like a lot of these guys, I'm like they're they're probably lonely. They probably don't yeah. have male friends or like a, a male support network. And you know, to see other guys that like each other, that are friends, that are supportive, like it's very upsetting. Yeah, yeah. And, and you realize too, it, this is the, always the, the funny thing. I mean, people will be very critical of social influence of social media figures, people online who are. You know, let's just say successful. They'll be super critical of it, and like it's all bullshit, it's all scam. But yet they're again, they're they're using the same devices, the same platforms, and they're religiously following these people, watching everything they do. Yeah. yeah I don't follow anyone specifically for the purpose of critiquing them, or or getting pissed or off. Or getting pissed. Like yeah, it's a very strange thing when you realize like you you you, really, you never really think about the mindset of a troll. And 
you know, for a long time, I thought, like, oh, that's bullshit. People don't really troll. Like, that's just people complaining. <laughs> then as I got more popular, I'm like, you get lots of, you get people who are just out of nowhere. You're like, drive-by tweeting. I'm like, who are you? Like, I've never even interacted right. with you. Like, you have a problem with me. I'm like, it's amazing. It's almost like they set an alarm um, for every time you tweet. To but then <laughs> they'll follow, but then they'll, they'll follow and listen to everything you say, specifically to find things that they are upset about. And like, they'll do this for months and months. I mean, I, I block most people at this point that do that. Yeah. I'm like, it, it is a very weird investment of time. I'm like, yeah. how does that feel constructive to you? It's it's a sad way of li- I mean it's just the amount of energy that you're utilizing for something so destructive for your own sake not not I mean you're not gonna bring us down like there's no I mean we have such a a, a clear mission right we're, we're focused on helping and, and delivering value on a daily sometimes minute by minute basis, basis yeah. right so you know for example like when you got kicked off Twitter the the outcry from guys who had quarter of a million followers down to Guys who had no followers but were just like, hey, I'm, I'm just getting so much value. You know, hundreds of guys, and, and females too, stood up and were like, this is bullshit. Yeah. This account brought me help every day and helped me change my life or change my body or whatever. And, um, you know, of course, there were the, the schmucks who were like, oh, he got what he deserved. And you don't even know how he got off Twitter. There was an element of sweet revenge in that because when I actually got my account back and got back on, um, yeah, I know a lot of people, there were, you know, I'm not going to say I care about the critics, but there is, I'm, I'll be very petty. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, when you have, I had friends send me stuff like so-and-so saying this about you. I'm like, yeah, I guess they are. You know, I'm like, I'm on Twitter anymore. But then when I got the account back, I'm like, I'm back, back. motherfuckers. <laughs> y'all got to, y'all got to eat crow. Just eat, it, eat it by the, eat, eat it by the fucking 10. Yeah, no shit. I mean, I saw, well, just kind of being an outsider and, you know, supporting and then watching a lot of the, the critics, you know, come in and be like, well, he should have been more careful with, I'm like, dude, he. First of all, we don't even know what he said. Then when we found out what you said, I was like, "Wait a second! So you, you guys, you sure you want to you want to say that? Mm-hmm. You, you sure you want to say like he should have been, you know, he should have been smarter? It's like, no, thank God, someone's standing up and saying that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to say it, man. Fuck! I was like, I didn't see the tweet, but had I seen, mm-hmm. it, I would have liked it. Of course, I'm like, hey, that's 100 percent my belief too. But at the end of the day, you just got people who just they live to see you to see you fail. I mean, it's it gives them a small little bit you know bite-sized piece of happiness in their dark world wait, wait, which is awful i feel i honestly i i feel bad no, i mean I, I don't have any mouse those kinds of people I'm like it's just it's just very sad it's very pitiful I'm like but you realize there's a certain segment of the population like you could bottom tier 20 percent of human beings whatever i don't you yeah. know i'm making up i'm making up numbers but sure there's a certain segment of people where their the, their biggest accomplishment that they will ever extract from life is being able to participate in you know, in some small way, in the downfall of someone else, they 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 are living for that moment where they could say that they got to pile on and and take someone out. You know, somehow in their in their mind, yeah. they were able to cancel them. Um, which, yeah, I mean, if that's your greatest accomplishment, that's your greatest accomplishment. <laughs> no, it, we live in strange times, man. I mean, it's you know, it's always surreal to me to look at my kids and be like, "Wow, one day you're going to grow up and this is normal, right?" For me, it's still like, "Wait a second, I can actually tweet something out and thousands of people, people can, read it, yeah. can read it, right?" That's mind blowing to me. I grew up with newspapers and shit, right? I mean, didn't, this type of stuff didn't happen. So to see someone who you know, like yourself, who can influence literally hundreds of thousands of people, uh, and then also at the same time <laughs> get you know cracked over something that. Honestly, morally, from a moral perspective, makes sense. But someone up there was just waiting to pounce on something that they're like, well, that doesn't fit my political agenda. So I can wipe out all your hard work just like that. I mean, it's it's strange. It's unbelievable. You know, I mean, it's it's a, at times we live in, 
um, or astounding. Just when you really sit down and think about it, you're like, wow, this is actually mind-blowing of what we can achieve and also how we can quickly go from there to nothing just by someone not liking you, basically. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's pretty absurd, you know? I mean, because if you really weighed out, like, okay, how many, how many times have you said something that maybe eh, struck a chord, right? Just a few <laughs> times. Put it lightly, right? A few times. A few times, right? But balance that out with how many things you've done to improve the world. Fuck, it wouldn't even be, like, a question, right? You'd be like, well, I've helped thousands of men change their bodies and their mindset and all these things. I mean, that imagine those guys and the impact that they've had on the, the generations that they influence. I mean, there's no question whether or not you should have a platform. Yeah, well, yeah my, my big biggest, I'd say, sort of you know, frustration with modern times is that I, I've seen the, the social discourse devolve the last 20 years where things that, were, things that are controversial today were not controversial 20 years ago, 30 years mm. ago. So I, I've seen society's level of, let's just say, social you know, coherence and social IQ actually go backwards. It's mm. devolved. And the idea now that you cannot say certain things, you can't speak of certain things, uh, you cannot express certain opinions because they're the, you know they're offensive opinions. Someone you know, might be hurt by your opinions. It's very anti-ethical to honestly it's just American spirit of just you know, freedom of speech, freedom of thinking. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I I will readily say it, it stirs like a furious anger in me when I see this sort of attitude perpetuated across social media, and, and people have to watch what they say. Like you either have free speech or you have no speech. It's one or the other. Mm. You you can't have an in between zone. Either everything you either you can say everything, you can say nothing. Yeah, you know, like freedom to speak is freedom to think. That's what that sure. is. Sure. You know, so you know, playing a provocateur role, like I, you know, I don't recommend people do that. But yeah, there's lots of things where I'll see this. I'm like, why, why can't we actually say the truth about this? Mm. Yeah, you know, like why, why do we have to hold back opinions? Do you think it's so much? Well, do you think it's where we're saying it, or the fact that we can't say it at all, right? Because if you went out and wrote a book on, <laughs> I don't want, <laughs> on how to end pedophilia, right? You could publish that and. Whoever's going to buy it's going to buy it, right? You're not going to get put in prison for that. Yeah, you probably wouldn't. But yeah, but the social platforms like they're run by like I just call it like leftist lunatics, and so like you know they are very you know hypersensitive to you know, anything that threatens you know so-called diversity, tolerance, inclusion. These falsified, this fake values, they're not real values at all. Sure. Um, you know, they don't mean anything. You know, diversity of what of of, of colors? You know, that's just basically this racism without the racism. Like you know, <laughs> they, they, like you know, when you talk about diversity, I'm like, are you talking about diversity of people's thinking and experiences, or just talking about mm. that you want different colored people in the room? You know, same thing with with inclusion. You know, everything everyone everyone has to be part of everything. Why? Yeah, you know, right. it's it's it does not logically follow at all. It's non sequitur. Like, okay, you're going to emphasize how important it is to have diverse colorism, but then you also want to include everything and say it's all the same, while sure. also excluding people on the basis of color and political affiliation. Like that doesn't line up at all. It doesn't make sense. It does not again it's logically logically incoherent. You know, same thing with tolerance. We have to tolerate all ideas. Okay. Well, if you can tolerate all ideas, and you, then you actually have to tolerate all ideas. Then all ideas are fair in the marketplace. Oh, well, no, that's actually not what we mean. We, we only tolerate the things that we want to tolerate. And this half of the country and your things, like those, that's intolerable. We need to not you know, allow that to be perpetuated spoken. Like, all right, so, that's, so that, that belief right there is hypocritical bullshit. Sure. It's complete hypocrisy. That's like Trump, you know. I, I'm not a 100% pro-Trump guy, right? In fact, I, I stay far out. Politics is just not my passion. I, I think they're mostly crooks and liars, and I just... I prefer to focus on my family and my business, and right. So I don't have I don't have a political passion, but I look at the the Trump scenario, and I think my problem is not you know that that people don't like Trump, right? My problem is that people don't like people liking Trump, and it becomes this this thing of like we're gonna we're gonna cipher off everybody who likes Trump, and we're only gonna promote 
the, the, the anti-Trump message, right? And the people who stand up and say, well, I actually like some of the things he's done. They're like, well, fuck you. You're, you're done. Like, you're out. You're a criminal. You're fucking, you know, it's just like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's, it's absurd. You know, what I saw in the last, I mean, I, I've had a lot of red pill moments over the course of my life. I'll, like, I'll go back to like 2007, 2008. So like Great Recession, 2008. So like my parents, like house got foreclosed a lot. Like more, the county where I lived in, it was like one, three, one, four houses got foreclosed. So I knew Jeez. lots of people. Yeah. And that was a Red Bull moment in the sense that I realized that the way that I had been raised was sort of like this American dream of go to college, buy a house, house is an asset, it all works out. I'm like, okay, this clearly doesn't work. Mm. Or at least, they're, they're, like, it doesn't, it's not this perfect ideal pathway that's been laid out before us because I saw a lot of people lose that and they really didn't know what to do. Yet losing their home was very destabilizing. I'm like, okay, there's, there's clearly things that, you know, these so-called sort of elites and these things, uh, these, 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 there's economic events that happen that can't be readily predicted. You know, and this gets sort of like in like black swan crises and like things you don't see coming. I'm like, all right, so the narrative that I was sort of taught about the world, I'm like, I don't think it's a complete accurate narrative. Like, I'm clearly missing things. And then I went to college in San Francisco and I saw like a very liberal city that I thought did not function very well at all. Sure. And I got exposed to like what it would be de- deemed today like, you know, like lunatic progressivism. Like, this is all based upon this like bullshit. It's made up terminology. It's made up phrasing. Um, it, you know, it's absolute contrived beliefs that are, you know, like when people talk about postmodernism, like, you know, postmodernism meaning what? It's meaning, you know, things that are basically, it's, it's a way of thinking that you try to be anti-ethical to the past and everything that has really sort of like worked throughout human history and you're trying to recreate meaning and recreate language and but it has no basis in actual factual reality. Mm. So I'm like, and, but this was like 10 years ago. I'm like, okay, something's clearly kind of off with like this, the way education's going. Like I was at state school in San Francisco. I'm like, this doesn't feel like real education. This kind of, it's just, all, it's just bullshit a lot of it. Yeah. And I could see like, I, so like I went to the city, I was living in SF. I'm like, I got exposed to like a lot of things. Like I saw like you know, like gay culture. I'm like you know like so SF has like extremely high rates of STDs. I'm like sure. Oh like yeah. But I got told told the narrative. I'm like this is gonna sound homophobic, but right now I'm like I got, I got told the narrative of like oh we need you know how how dare anyone be like you know anti uh, anti gay like you know we we you know, it's, homosexuality is normal. I'm like yeah that's totally fine. That's totally normal. Right. Okay cool. I'm like oh wow these guys have really high rates of STDs. Oh they have really really high numbers of sexual partners. Oh, like this culture is actually kind of like a little degenerate. Like, yeah, it's a lot of it's just like prioritizes sex and just like sexual flamboyance. I'm like, how is this like a moral value? Right. You know, I understand right. being accepting of people's sexual orientation. Okay, sure. But like, you know, how do you make this in like, oh, well, you need to be uh, intolerant. I'm like, all right, like tolerance is fine. But, like, how is this a moral good though? Like, mm. why, why are we championing, you know, this sort of like LGBTQ culture? Like, you know, if you don't support that, you're like an evil person. Like, what this? What is this culture exactly? <laughs> yeah, because no. Here's the thing: because heterosexuality, I'm like heterosexuality. That is that makes me morally good. I'm like heterosexuality is just part of nature. It's neither. It's it's not moral. It's, it is neither immoral or you know, um, you know, like you know, I'm I'm looking for the right word. It's 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 amoral. Yeah, heterosexuality right, is amoral. Right. Yes, animals reproduce. There's two different sexes. You know, I don't look at a, a man and be like, oh, look, what a good man for having <laughs> sex with women. Like, he's just such a good person. I'm like, that's right. just natural biology. You know, so I'm like, you know, so like, okay, so I'm being homosexual. Like, okay, they're homosexual, big deal. Well, we need to, we need to promote that. Promote what? Hmm. Like, we're talking about something that's 3 4 5% of the population at most. I'm like, how, how is this a virtue? Why is it being presented that way? So, yeah, you know, I saw that there. I'm like, this is a really weird, this contrived, again, this bullshit situation. Um, and then I moved to Hollywood in like in 2000, 2011. And then I got exposed. I, you know, I'm, I'm going really deep right now down the rabbit hole. But like I was living, working in Hollywood, training actors. And I, I was, you know, before Harvey Weinstein ever blew up that whole situation. Sure, yeah. I became very aware very fast that there is a, there is a legitimate culture of 
sexual abuse, sexual depravity, sexual exploitation in Hollywood, both on the heterosexual and, and gay side, basically. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, I saw, I, I've, I had clients, I, I worked in West Hollywood, I saw guys where, yeah, they'd be you know, basically trafficking teenage boys, and like, that was like a regular thing to see there. Jesus. Yeah, I, I worked at a gym where I regularly saw like older men walking in with like guys that I could tell were probably in high school. I'm like, yeah. this is really fucking weird. Yeah, you know, I I, ta- I had clients that worked in Hollywood, and they were very open about like because everybody kind of it was open secret. Like, mm. yeah, like you're you're kind of expected to basically like either yeah, how do you want to take it? You can take it up the ass, you can take it in the mouth. Like you're gonna take it somehow. Yeah, you're gonna. You know, like you know, women same thing. Like casting couch is entirely real. Mm. You know, it was very well known. Certain you know producers, directors, actors who were basically perverts and who wasn't, you know, and who who was uncomfortable and set and who was not. Like that, none of that's secret. Um, but it, it was just part of the culture there, and that made me realize, okay, like Hollywood's like really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is not like a, I, you know, I mean, there's a level of glamour. It's not just party you know, drugs. No, it's like, there's a level of glamour to it. I'm like, there's a dark underbelly. So I'm like, all right, like there's clearly, but like you don't see that though. That really didn't become a thing until two years ago. I'm like, yeah, whistleblowers. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, kind of point to all this. I'm like, I realize that like, okay, there's clearly levels of society that are not exposed that are this this sick and twisted, and but there is a sort of like a shine, bright shiny wrapping paper around them. And, you know, like, we're not going to talk about it, we're not going to let that out, and we're just going to let it go. You know, so, like, it, it was the moments like that where, I'm like, it, it got me shifting my mindset. And then, you know, the, uh, when Obama got elected, I don't think he was a particularly bad president. But at the same time, like, he, there was a lot of, there were certain laws that he passed to limit freedom of the press that were unfriendly. Sure. Yeah, I remember, like, the, the Iran scandal, like, saying them billions of freaking dollars. Yeah, obviously the thing, you know, Clinton and the Benghazi, where I'm like, that was a shit show. I'm like, oh, it wasn't like, it was not a perfect president. Uh, and at the same time, too, I saw, like, you know, with the, with the Title IX, um, yeah, I, for, I forget the, the name of, like, the executive decision, but, like, when the Title IX uh, thing got passed, where, like, the kangaroo court sprang up where guys mm. could, yeah, in college, you could basically just get told, a girl could basically say, like, uh, he raped me. And with no evidence, you get assumed yeah, to be guilty. You're guilty before yeah, you're guilty for, yeah, you're guilty for being proven innocent, and you get taken to a kangaroo court. I'm like, I saw this stuff happen under Obama. I'm like, something's got, gone wrong in the United States. Mm. Now, I noticed it more, especially more as I traveled across the U.S. in, like, sort of, like, the mid-20s, and... I saw a lot of men that were homeless. I saw a lot of guys where I could tell like unemployment was actually up in certain sectors. And I went, I traveled through towns that had been devastated by like the Trans-Pacific Trade Agreement and jobs living. I'm like, okay, like there's, there's clearly things in the U.S. that have gone wrong. And I, I can't say that it's any one thing, but it's a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and, then I, and then I knew too, I'm like, okay, if, if Hollywood's fucked up, let's just say, and you know, like entertainment industry, I'm like, I can only imagine what politics are like. Like oh, it's probably it's worse. Worse, yeah. And then when Trump came along in 2015... The thing was, I never cared about politics, and it was not—it was not a situation like, oh, I want to be pro-Trump. But I realized it was a very unusual scenario of like he was legitimate political outsider, yeah. and he had no party affiliation, loyalty ties. He was just a guy where, whether it was his ego, him being a sociopath, he actually wanted to run for presidency, and he had the money to do it. And I saw the media where you know, under Obama, they were very—you know—the media runs very, very left. Yeah, and, and if you look at the stats in the the, uh, the United States, where, where at one time, back in the like 1950s, 60s, you went to a college campus, about half of the professors were, let's just say, conservative Republican, half were Democrat, progressive. Now it's like 90-10, progressive to conservative. It's yep. super liberal. And so I saw the media that had been very, you know, sort of like, you know, just basically ass-slapping of Obama where he could do no wrong. You know, when Trump came along, oh yeah, I'm not going to deny he's crass, but I never, actually watching him, I never saw anything that was, I would consider, you know, racist, you know, horrifying behavior. Like, okay, the pussy grabbing, yeah, you could certainly criticize that. But, you sure. know, I mean, you know, 
Clinton also got his dick sucked in office God knows how many times. I'm like, it's also very <laughs> He's hypocritical. He's a saint. Yeah, like, oh, oh good God, Bill Clinton was one of our best friends. His like, best friend was yeah, Jeffrey Bill, Epstein. Bill, Bill Clinton was accused of, of rape, you know, like sexual assault, like three his or best four, friend was three Jeffrey or four Epstein. times. I'm like, you know, and th- th- you know, knowing that, I'm like, okay, Trump, you know, grab, you know, grab him the pussy. I'm like, <laughs> you know, the level of behavior the Democratic Party tolerated with Clinton, I'm like, get the fuck out. You guys are so full of shit. Oh, but, you know, so anyway, but I, I watched him. I'm like, I really can't find anything that's like, what a piece of shit. I'm like, he has like a very pro-American, you know, basically like social isolation, foreign isolation agenda. Yeah. Is he doing it for per personal gain? Yeah, maybe. Whatever. But I'm like, ego. I, I, yeah, he has an ego. I'm like, I couldn't find anything that was obje- objectionable. But then I saw the media where they went full force, just basically like 1984, like thought crime. Everything yeah. was taken out of context. Everything was spun. Every headline was changed and altered. Everything was misrepresented. You know, the stories were completely fabricated. And it went venomous. It wasn't just like, okay, get this guy out of the race. It was we need to basically just destroy, destroy his, his social reputation. Yeah. You know, and by, you know, just him being, you know, like I said, probably having like the mind of a child and just not caring. <laughs> He's actually survived all of it. <laughs> but, but I, and I, saw, I saw the media and like Cernovich, where my buddy Mike Cernovich, he would call yeah. him out all the stuff. I'm like... This this has gone from being slanted to just outright fucking lying. Uh, it's, it's, I, I watch I watch mainstream media like truly devolve into just a propaganda machine of just pure bullshit. And then as as that happened, and as I started seeing people I knew personally, like or you know Twitter friends I knew, where they started getting run through the smear machine, I'm like, then it became like you want, fuck you guys, like oh I'm gonna go super pro Trump, like fuck all of you, like and then I realized too like there's a there's a legitimate political ideological divide in the United States, and there's legacy media, and they want to preserve their power, and then you have sort of like these decentralized, whether you want to call traditionalists or libertarian or conservative or classical liberal, where they're like, no, fuck you. Like, you guys yeah. have an agenda, and you're horrible people, and you have no real concern for the truth at all. And then, then it made me very, like, question, like, has the media ever been truthful? Or has it all been contrivance? Because I've seen, again, I've seen so many of my friends lied about over and over and over and over and over, and, and tried, you know, the, the takedown culture and the cancel culture. And then I saw, the, uh, in the course of being alive in 30 now, I saw the United States get... More racist. Absolutely. But not, not racist in the sense that people are more racist where they actually hate other people. Racist in the sense that we are now encouraged to judge and assess people on skin color. Yeah. On ethnicity. Which, growing in the 1990s, that was not a thing. It was... I feel like we took a huge Yeah, it, it was... A, it was a, the counter message was, don't, base, don't assess people on skin color. Like, yes, stereotypes may exist, but, like, you can joke about everybody, but be tolerant and, you know, like, you know, character. You know, very, like, sure, MLK, yeah. like, let's, let's assess by character. Okay, that's actually a pretty good... Message, I think. Character, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you judge people by the character. Now it's judge people by their political party, their race, where they grew up. Are you from Texas? Oh, you're probably a fucking backwards racist Nazi redneck. It's like, yeah, do you believe in gender? Yeah, or do not? you believe gender? I'm like, it's, it's gone <laughs> absolutely fucking insane. So, yeah, that's why, you know, like, it, again, I'll make the point like, you know, like supporting Trump or being, you know, whatever you say, like not anti Trump, pro Trump, basically. I'm like, it's basically just a fuck you to lunacy. Yeah. Like the, all the progressive bullshit. Um, I forget why we started talking about this, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I say all this to you to demonstrate, like, over the course of, like I said, the, the, the living in the U.S., like, over the th- last 30 years, like, I've seen the United States change. Um, and, and like, I, like I said, like, you don't realize how insane the bubble is unless you leave it and you go to a country where people don't care about race or politics or any of these things. Because those places do exist. Most of the sure. world actually doesn't care about politics to the degree America does. And you realize, like, wow, this, this country's gone, like, it's actually gotten very unhealthy. You oh, can, I can see how it makes people crazy. Yeah, I was just in London. And, you know, London... It's close to American. It's pretty Americanized, right? It's it's very similar, to like New York, and there's a lot of diversity, and you know, they have a pretty good pulse on what's happening over here. But even then, in just discussions with the locals in the surrounding parts of London, 
this whole thing that we, you know, people get so worked up about here to them is a joke. They're like, really? You guys actually, oh, you actually do give a fuck about Trump? Like, oh, I thought it was just a joke. I thought everybody just laughed. It's like, no, no, like people get extremely worked up about it. Yeah, this people stuff. get they lose sleep. They, they all have anxiety attacks every day, following yes. him on Twitter just to I mean, give themselves the, anxiety attacks. Like, the, you know, there, there's top media people t- retweeting his stuff. <coughs> Excuse me you know, calling him the worst possible things on earth, like saying he's an evil, vile person. It's like, <clears throat> um, it's crazy. And over there, they're like, oh, we thought it was just kind of a joke. Like, you know, we we didn't really think you guys took it that seriously. Like, no, we, we do. No, America, not we, but people. You know, people take it very, very seriously. At the same time, like I said earlier, like every, everyone gets drawn into this this sort of like spiritual warfare fight now. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you, you want to run a business and have no pains about anything? You better never say anything out of step ever <laughs> about anything ever express. <laughs> you, you better know, not be a human. Yeah, like you, you, you can you can say nothing about anything that is remotely might you know be a, uh, a perspective because someone's going to have a problem. Yeah, you, you, I, I saw. Uh, I'm not sure who it was. It might have been Bill Burr or Dave Chappelle, one of the, one of those two guys who talked about cancel culture and how. It's it's just become absurd. Like it's literally now to the point where we throw out all the rule books, we throw out all the justice, and it's basically uh, a she said she said situation or a troll said troll said situation. Yeah, or, or a mob, you don't have a mob a said they said situation. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't have a say at all. Like it's basically, oh, that person accused you of this, you're guilty. Now let's do some research. And it's like, well, wait a second. That that's not, you know, that's not. I mean, America was. <laughs> It's not really why we're here, right? I mean, it doesn't really make sense. It, there's, it's a scary time to live in because God forbid, you know, not even make a mistake. God forbid you just piss someone off because you said something that is true or you said something that was helpful and that person took it and said, oh, fuck that guy, and starts this storm to bring you down. There's really, and not to say I live in fear because truth be told, I don't live in fucking fear. You know, you want to come after me? Fucking bring it. I don't give a fuck. No, I mean, I've been, I mean, been canceled at least four or five times. Yeah, now. Like, <laughs> you're not going to cancel me permanently. No, you might no. Hurt me temporarily, but, you know, you can win the battle. We'll, we'll talk about the war later, right? But it's like, at the end of the day, I just, as a, as a culture, I think, man, in a way, I, I had this conversation with our buddy Tanner. I said, one, one side of me is eh, disappointed, fearful in a way for the generation that's coming up now and some of the things that are taking place. But on the other side, I'm almost excited because I'm like, my boys are going to have the upper fucking hand. You know what I mean? Because in my home where I don't – the influencer culture, they don't need influencer culture. They have influence right here where this whole, you know, this whole war, the spiritual fucking warfare and all this crazy shit, they're going to have clarity on what it really means to have morals, right, and what it really means to have standards versus these fucking people who their standard is whatever they feel – whatever, however they wake up that day. It's absurd. Yeah, fa- yeah, feelings are facts, basically. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I, I think in like the probably next two, two decades, you're going to see. I don't say a backlash, but a backlash where, yeah, you know, because leftism and progressivism, progressivism is so emotionally, socially fragile. It be, it's not based on anything real. Um, it just falls apart, like on a long timeline. Yeah, and I'm starting to see that. You know, even now, where people are forming sort of like offline networks and like yeah, even like the people we know, like they're very much like sort of dominating life. You could say. Sure. Yeah, they're doing so in a way that's very quite anti-fragile. Yeah, I um, mean, they're actually creating something. Like, you know, I mean, pr- activism is not creating anything. You know, like if you want to create something, like start a business, make seven figures a year, do that. Sure. You know, like make that make that thing hire people, employ people. 
mm-hmm. you know, like actually be, you know, be a father figure, um, you know, role model, like to men in your culture, or like whatever your local culture is. Sure. Like, you know, raise some sons that way, you know, raise up men. Yeah, you know, that will have a real impact on the world at large. You know, trying to tear everything down that you think is offensive to you, uh, you're going to le- be left with an empire of nothing. It's, a, yeah. it's just dust. It's a culture of dust. Yeah, no, it, it's... There, you know, I say their time is coming. Who knows when that will will come? Who knows when the forces will shift? I think there's a clear, gaping hole uh, for morality. However, you want to spin that, right? Whether whatever your beliefs are. I mean, you know, personally, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but that doesn't mean that we we don't share similar moral beliefs, right? We don't share similar moral standards and character and, and the things that you talked about. I think there's a gaping hole that will need to be filled at some point soon. That has been created, right? It's 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 been it's been created by these lunatics who just for whatever reason think that that's I don't know if it's a it could be a backlash against maybe a hole in their their lives that was missing we talk about masculinity all the time right where there there may have been a huge chain of just poor masculinity or or even you know a poor poor feminine uh, approach in, in their homes and their households and just a a, a lack in and leadership, if you will, for a better term, lacking, lacking, and guidance, lacking, lacking mentorship, whatever it is. There's a whole generation that I feel like has missed it, and it is now there's just this this backlash, and this is what we're seeing, right? But then you know, someone like Trump comes in, and <laughs> it's like it's like a tidal wave hitting a a, a a pole that won't move, right? It's like you could throw everything at this guy, and I'm not saying I like the guy and the way he operates, but. You, you, he just stands for something that is is not necessarily morally correct, but is just the the basically the backlash from this other backlash, right? To say like, oh, you guys want to go that far left? Okay, cool. Here's what's going to happen, right? This is this is what this is this is the the product that you created. I mean, literally, he's the he's the byproduct. Yeah, Trump of that. like the, he's like sort of the shadow of American consciousness, where okay, yeah. you, you try to create this insane progressive lunatic culture, you know, that's this based on just you know. In factuality, all right. Well, now here's where you're gonna get back. You're exactly. gonna get someone that is, you know, like I mean, I've, I don't know whether he's a legitimate sociopath, but you're gonna get someone who <laughs> I think he might be you're a psychopath. You're like, <laughs> he's effective. You're gonna get someone who sure. doesn't give a fuck about your feelings. Right. You're gonna get someone who is completely immovable as an object. Yep. You're gonna get a guy who can play the game better than you can, who will turn every single thing that you try to say against him. Like you know, you he'll, think you're yeah. Dirty. He'll try he'll to turn everything you say against him will turn around right back on you. Yep. And you'll be exhausted by somebody that is so. Yeah, like stupidly macho, macho, masculine to the point, almost a caricature. But it's yeah. he's so brutally effective that now you have to deal with that. Yeah, you know now now that's your that's your world leader. You know, so suffer the consequences. Basically, yeah, that, that's what I look at Trump as. It's it, to me, it doesn't affect my life. I don't go, oh fuck, who's in the office? I really give a shit. I, I could care as long as we're not in, <laughs> you know, communist fucking you know America or something. Like I, I'm 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 okay with, you know, if Obama or Trump is. I'm taking care of my family. I'm going to find a way to, even if that means leaving, right? Even if that means getting out, that that's fine. But at the end of the day, what we're looking at now is just a, a consequence. It, it's all it is. It's, it's oh, okay, well, you want to go here? Well, here's what's going to happen. And then there's going to be more. There's obviously going to be more consequence from what Trump has now created. There's They're trying to, at least. <laughs> but if you look now, the, the, the scrambling that's taking place, it's like humorous, right? It's like you have these people trying to... <laughs> "Quote unquote," you know, get Trump out of office. But now it's like it's like what Jay Z said. You know, don't argue with a fool, because from a distance we can't tell who's who, and that's exactly what's happening. So everyone's like, "Well, Trump's such an idiot." Well, look at you. 
<laughs> Look at you trying to bicker with him. He's playing your game because he doesn't care. You can call him every name in the book. But once again, it's just like you said. It's just that response to this lunacy. I mean, that's really all it is. Yeah, well, the thing that I think long term, like you, you – Culture is not accidental. Like we, we live in culture. Like culture evolves out way of consequences in many, many areas. Many, many areas. Yeah, I'm like, and I, I never expected to be like put myself on the front lines of this. And I, I would never suggest most people do. But at the same sure. time, yeah. And Stefan Molyneux said this like when I was at Twin Con. He's like, you know, politics actually does affect modern culture. And I, I've seen this even with like the Generation Z kids, where the guys they're teenagers today, they've grown up in a culture where they've seen people get canceled and get completely just destroyed over saying any one wrong thing one time, whether it be slightly racist or slightly sexist, or you offend the wrong person, or a girl didn't like you because you're, you know, every 13-year-old boy is awkward and can probably be semi-creepy at some point. Like, oh, sure. I guess you're a rapist now. I'm like, uh, because you, you looked at me funny, or like you tried to tap my arm. I'm like, okay, we're going to, like, there's just so, many, mm. there's so much insanity. Yeah. And so the kids today, I've seen, like, they're actually, like, they're hyper-conservative. They're hyper-conservative. They watch what they say online. Yep. They're very private. They don't want to speak out of turn, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like, they put immense value on privacy, whereas for, like, millennial Gen X, it's like, social media was cool. Share everything. Yeah. yeah. Now the younger one's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't share everything. <laughs> Just maybe entertain people, but, like, don't say anything about anything that might get you in trouble with anything. So, it's like, it's been a reversal effect. I'm like, okay, these kids, they're going to create a very different world than the one we grew up in. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, and like you know, you, like if you want to stay ahead of the game, you have to stay ahead of the curve, and you have to know what people's inclinations and instincts are that way. Um, you know, otherwise, I, like I've seen this with bo- boomer people now too, like my parents' age, where like they don't understand how the world got to where it's at right now. It's like, oh my god, things have changed so much. Sure, I don't feel good about the future. I'm like, y- you made this all happen 20, 30 years ago. Like, yeah, like consequences pile up. There's there's third order consequences that you actually can't predict, but you just don't think very far ahead. You know, certain things like I've seen in the U.S. for like the, the lack of infrastructure in a lot of places. I'm like. Maybe you should have fucking voted on that back in 1990. And, like, there's so many minor things that become major things. Of like, well, how did this happen? You made it happen because you didn't pay attention to it because you thought it wouldn't matter. People think these sure. things, oh, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's not a big deal. Like, no, it is a big deal. Right. Now, long enough timeline, it's going to become a big deal. And then you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I made a tweet the other day. I was like, there is no such thing as it doesn't really matter. Because no. <laughs> oh, yeah. every little thing, <clears throat> excuse me, every little thing matters. And the little things, they may not seem significant today, but if you compound them, they add up tremendously. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's a monster that you've created. And it was just because you didn't pay attention to the little things that were little previews or, or little hints along the way. And now you think, well, shit, how did we get here, man? Well, fuck, look back. You know exactly how we got here. You know? And, and you know, so, I, I mean, it, it does, I think, lend itself to the discussion of, like, all right, so how are we as – you know, we're, we're still young, we're in our 30s, you know, how are we adding to a, a positive future, whether that's here in the U.S. or wherever we end up, right? How are we contributing to a society that is going to be a high-functioning, well, you know, well-put-together society? We have to, I think it's important to always look internally and say, like, how am I helping to, if I don't, if I don't, if I'm not okay with the narrative today and what's happening, like, how can I contribute to a future that I'm, you know, I want my kids to live in, yeah. or or I want my friends to live in. You know, what what am I doing? Is is arguing on Twitter? Is that really gonna fucking do anything? I, I mean, I I don't think so. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I mean, that's why I started. I got so much more involved the past year, like a lot of fraternal you know, um, groups, like you know, the the War Room, supporting fraternity of excellence. You know, mm. being part of one con where, like, if you want to change, you know, the future, like you, you have to create masculine men. Mm. Yeah, like modern society, it's very much like a my buddy Richard Grant calls it. Like we live in a like world of yin. It's like yeah. all feminine energy. Everyone consumes. They take in. It's soft. It's impotent. It's 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 weak. 
It's soft sure. in the wrong ways. It's flexible and to the point of weakness. Like, we need more yang energy. We, we need more masculinity. We need to make men strong again, legitimately. Like, men need to feel comfortable being men, uh, you know, being assertive, being aggressive, you yeah. know, being decisive, not believing in bullshit equalism. Like, oh, you, you want to get along with a girl like, uh, like you're her gay best friend? No, like, act like a fucking man. Sure. Women crave dominance and assertion. If you go to anywhere that's not the United States or, let's just say, the UK, which is a failed society, you go to any other country besides those two places, women expect men to act like men. Absolutely. They expect you to be strong. They expect you to make decisions. They expect you to take control of the situation. They expect you to lead. They expect you to be sexual. They expect you to, you know, like, you know, have emotional stability and control. Sure. You know, this this equalism, I have anxiety, I'm a sad boy, you know, let, let me be, uh, uh, let me act like a, uh, let me act like a, a Disney prince. I want like a mommy girlfriend. Like, it's fucking disgusting. That's awful. Yeah, it's a culture of fucking weak, impotent men. I'm like, it, what's, what, so what's going to change the future? The, the world is built by men. Fundamentally, like, the world's built by men. Male energy is what provides stability for everything. So, like, that's why my message now is, like, so pro-masculine. Like, yeah, because the world needs it. Because I have, I have guys contacting me every day all the time where them being assertive, them being strong, like, what not only doesn't change their life, but changes the relationships with everyone they know. Everyone sure. they know. And then they also grow up in a world, too, where, like, they've never seen that kind of role model. Like, their dad was a weak piece of shit. Their mom was domineering. Or they had no father. Like, they've never actually seen a man that acts like a man. Yeah. So then, they, like, and I never expected to be in this position, ever. Like, it was not my, again, it was never my intention. Like, I want to be a leader of men. I'm it's like, like, you grew up thinking. Yeah, no, hell no. Like, I just, you know, <laughs> years and years ago, I just, I just wanted to fucking be a ballet dancer and just be left alone. And, like, fuck. The, <laughs> and here we are talking yeah, about this. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we're, now I'm here. I'm like, okay, what a, <laughs> what a sick joke. <laughs> yeah, what a wheel of fortune, you know? Like, right. But, uh, Who would have predicted? No. But, like, yeah, like, so, yeah, being like a leader of men situation, like, yeah, you, like, men need to see that, that there are men out there where, guess what? Like on lockdown, they're making money, they're fit, they're positive, yeah. they got great relationships with women, they take no shit, and they live their life their way, my way, and you can't stop me from doing that. Right. And I, it's not going to, you're not going to stop me because you don't like my politics, you're going to stop me because you have a problem with, you know, toxic masculinity. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I keep well, going down the list. Toxic masculinity is a made up. Fuck thing. all of you. It's, it's completely it's, made it's, up. It's, it's fabricated. It's not real. Yeah, toxic, toxic, toxic masculinity is male feminism. Absolutely. The most toxic men in the world are fucking male feminists. They're all rapists. They're all well, fucking the creepy best pedophiles. Is, I, best piece of advice I ever was given was never trust a male feminist. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because they're 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 a problem. Those they, those they, are, those are the toxically masculine men. It's those guys. Yes. It's it's the you know what it is. It's sheep in wolf's clothing. Mm -hmm. That's exactly oh, yeah. what that's it a, is. That's a great way of describing that. It. That is who you're really after, but you have now targeted men who are real men because you 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 can't see the toxic men that are in your life they're they're hiding right they're they're hiding in your life which is is hilarious i mean at the end of the day you mentioned guys you know reaching out to you and stuff i you know what's funny is i have more females comment on things saying i wish there were more masculine men yeah i, I, Even I, on your I, I get that too. a lot i get that a lot i it's wish hilarious. there were guys like you like I, I can't find anyone that's like do you know where i can find them yeah, like this message, like you know, the, the strong, be fit, be a good dad. You know, those 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 are things that, believe it or not, women actually want. <laughs> yeah, and like the thing is, like I don't consider any nothing that we say is like even controversial. I'm like this is just such basic stuff. But oh, I like know. guys like, have not been taught it. They've been taught to just be fucking bitches and sit with their legs closed and like peace yeah. sitting down. Like that's how they've been raised. Like literally, piss, yeah, maybe like learning that like piss sitting down because <laughs> you don't want to offend somebody. Um, like that's been the like the overall attitude. If I had to wrap it up into something. I wasn't. I was told. I was discouraged as a youth to be a guy with friends who were women. That was not a thing, right? It was like, well, if you're hanging out with a girl, there's only 
one thing that's yeah, probably happening. It's right? only one dynamic that's really underlying <laughs> right. that. Well, there's two options: either you're gay, or not. To, this is not a, a, a reference to homosexuality at all. It's just growing up. It was like, hey, look, my goal is not to befriend a bunch of women and you know be some white and you know white knight or whatever. It was like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a boy. I'm gonna be a a, a man, a, a youth, and I'm gonna be aggressive. And you know, my dad was the definition of a man, right? Like in terms of his hobbies and whatnot. So I had that in my life. Now, he also was an alcoholic and an abuser, but not in a toxic masculinity way. It was he had a drinking fucking problem. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, his dad had a, his dad had a drinking problem yeah. and a drug problem. So it, it wasn't toxic masculinity. It was substance abuse. Mm-hmm. But now people are like, oh, God, you know. And, and it's funny. It didn't really hit me. So – once again, I don't. I try not to stay. I try to stay clear of a lot of political bullshit. Yeah. And it's like it. It hit me when I started watching fucking Disney movies with my kids. I watched five fucking Disney movies, and the hero or heroine or whatever was a female, and the joke of the movie was the lead male. Yeah. Every single one. There's. A, I will tell you right now. There's. <laughs> like, there is the absolutely fuck? an agenda. And people think like, oh, there's no agenda. I'm like, Paul. Like, media is an agenda. Like, popular entertainment. There's an agenda. Watching like stuff like Disney, even kids' cartoons today, you will see no masculine men at all. The male characters will just be jokes or like punchlines. Overweight. Yeah, everything will be like heroin, shiro, bullshit, bullshit focused. Um, yeah, that's, that's why. Like, I mean, I imagine like if I kids today, like you're not watching any fucking Disney movies that are made in the last ten years. Dude, like, I, I'm gonna pull up some old ass cartoons from 1990, and you're not watching shit past 1985. Well, that's a, isn't that crazy though? Because I pulled up uh, Beauty and the Beast, right? And there's Gaston and the Beast himself. Yeah, both very that, masculine. The Beast is pretty characters. toxic. You know, he's like basically, oh. you know, a fucking emotional he's abuser, abuser. <laughs> isolates Physical her, <laughs> physically abusive, throws her at the woman you in know, the cage, you know, keeps her in a fucking cage. You know, like fucking separates her from her father. Yeah, you know, like it was emotionally, you know, like probably narcissistic. Absolutely, all these She still falls in love with him. You know, of course she does. Loves him. Yeah, F- w- waits on him hand and foot. Yeah, you know, fucking goes <laughs> goes back there to save his life, and you know, <laughs> like. but it, but see that's but see the the thing is there's also Gaston, right? Who what I tell you know people's look, Gaston is not toxic masculinity either. He's just an asshole. But you know, the thing that's interesting about <laughs> that's being the it. beast is I, I've actually I've lectured on this before. But being the beast, it's actually it shows you two forms of the same character. So like you have Gaston, which is like sort of like the buffoon level of masculinity where. He's like proverbially very alpha. He's the biggest yeah. guy. He's you know, dudes like I, mean, I could sing the song. You know, jacked, like, you know, jacked, chest hair, the strongest, you know, all these things. Shoot stuff. But because he's entitled and he feels entitled to like the hot girl's attention, yes. she does not want him. And because she's, I mean, you could say this is feminist. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, he, he's he's a he's a dumb man. So because he feels yeah. entitled to her attention, and he's not interesting to her at all, yep. she wants nothing to do with him. So it doesn't matter all like the other alpha qualities. Like he's actually like. In a way, he is very beta in the sense that because he wants her attention, he expects yeah. her to act certainly towards him. She doesn't want to do it. Right. So, like, you know, he's not leading the frame at all. Like, it's her, he's trying to get her, like, oh, come on, be in love with me. No. What's your problem? <laughs> you know, like, so it's like a huge <laughs> right. turnoff. Whereas, you know, and she goes and finds the beast who really just treats her horribly for, like, you know, half of the encounter and then sort of, like, softens his approach. But, mm. you know, because he knows that she doesn't want to be in love with him, like, and he, you know, he's sort of, like, you know, you could say like outcome independent, you know, in that way. Sure. You know, funny enough, it's like, oh, well, her, you know, he, him, like, she actually, actually falls for him. He's pleasantly surprised by it. He's like, oh, wow. You know, so, like, I mean, they, but they have very much the similar qualities. They're both big, well, one's an animal. They're both big guys. They're both very brutish. Yep. You know, the running joke I've used in, like, a few presentations, and I'm like, but, well, the Beast has, like, a library. 
So, but yes. like, that, but that's a very critical scene in that film because it shows you like the dynamic between men and women that women are enthralled by men that can capture their attention. Sure. Like, if you really want to get a woman to fall in love with you, you have to be inside her mind. Mm. You know, like she has to think. She, you have to tap into the imagination. Um, which you know, like the the Beast actually does that. But he's like, he takes you to the library. He's like, you can read all these books. This is all for you. Oh, sure. like no one's ever sort of like presented that to her before. And yeah, mm. does he read or not? Who who gives a shit? But the point <laughs> being, like, it's actually like he taps into her imagination. Yeah. You know, now she has access to a whole world that she's never had access to before. And like, you know, now she's like looking at him very differently. Whereas like with Gaston, he doesn't read books. So like, you know, like the, that, you know, the, the feminine imagination is completely shut off to him. Sure. You know, completely. Um, yeah, but like, you know, so that movie, it's, it's cool. Like, it's, I, lo- I love that film because you can analyze it in so many different ways, but it shows you, you know, the, even for guys who try to act stereotypically alpha, you know, like ch- what I call like the, the chest being kind of masculinity, it's still like on a certain level bullshit. Yes. You know, when you, if you believe that you're entitled to female attention because of what you look like, you know, or because like, you know, you think you're the biggest baddest, yeah, you're going to get groupie women. Yeah, and like, sure, and yeah. There's those, Service level. Yeah, there's those women, like, even the film, with the three, like, the triplets, where it's like, oh, Gaston. Like, People who buy people magazines. Yeah, like, like, groupies, basically. It's like, <laughs> oh, he's he's the hottest guy. Then you have, like, the, the, yeah. the... But the girl who's, like, let's say, like, the quality girl, where she doesn't... She's not going to be impressed by you being the biggest dude that way. It's like, no, you actually have to, like, you know, like, make me like make me fall in love with you. Do something. She has the pick of the litter. She has the pick yeah. of the litter. It's like, oh, yeah. f- okay, I, now, because I'm an idiot, I don't know how to do that. Like, you're right. supposed to like me. It's hilarious, but that movie would... That movie would get a lot of hate. That movie would never, <laughs> wouldn't even get made today. That's, that's no. a fucking hysterical. That would never get made today. Like, that never. actually would not get made today. No. They, 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 they'd switch it up. They, they'd remake it. We're like, I, They did. They remade it. They live action. Did you see who they had play the oh, Beast? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that shit. was my point. That was my point. I forgot about that fucking <laughs> film. I tried to block that movie out, honestly. I tried to actually block Dude, that film out. That, that, it that, was that we, fucking bad. That's exactly my point. They did remake it, but they made the guy feminine. Yeah, no, but they, they made the Beast this into a bitch. Yes, I, I, he got sh- like what, I, I I can't remember like the, the, I'm trying to remember the film like so Gaston had like the gay sidekick because we have to have diversity and inclusion which yes. is yes. fucking stupid like right. it, it makes it, no sense no sense half the people in French France the gay are, guy would never be hanging out with that you guy know, and then and then they're in France and half the cast is like I don't know just like a pick of brown countries I'm like this is just fucking dumb like it, it was it, it was suppo- like it's France back. man like it's Fran- like it's gonna be white French people like come the fuck on okay <laughs> there's, there's not any Puerto Ricans in fucking France in like 1750 <laughs> right. for fuck's sake. So like they got like they got the bullshit diversity cast. Yep. They got the gay sidekick since we got to we got to show gays are real people because you know like got to do that. That's that's a moral virtue. And yeah. then they turn. Then get, they, what was Gaston? He tries to like kill her dad or some shit. We're almost like what the something fuck? like that. He tries to like murder her father. Something that was off script. Yeah. It's like original. it's just the weirdest. It was like it, it was such a forced plot point where I'm like, you're trying to make him like an evil. Whereas before he was envious. Now you're trying to make him like an evil guy, to, like really drive the point home that he's a villain. Yes. Yeah. At the not, end, not he's a dumb like. Now that he's like jock. a dumb brute, but like he's like he's evil. And then at the end, right. the beast doesn't fight, gets like shot four fucking times in the back or some bullshit. Yeah. He just acts a like a pussy. Beast. Yeah. He's not a violent beast like in the cartoon. I, I, I watched it. I walked out. I was like, I was disgusted by it. like like <laughs> you, you just triggered me right now. Like having to remember, I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> that was my exact. Well, I was excited because it's one of my favorite. I was excited to see it, and then I left, and I was just disappointed. I just couldn't fucking believe it, man. I was like, this is this is. But you know what? So predictable. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, everything like, we got. Everything's got to be made woke. Got to so, wokeify everything. So predictable. I, I said, man, God, they really fucked it. You know. But then my kids saw the original and they loved it. And I was like, yeah, well, yeah, we're just, never showing the live just action. Just pretend that doesn't pretend <laughs> yeah. that version does not exist. Live action is is gone. I'm gonna erase it from your fucking memory. But yeah, no, it was it's hilarious. But dude, anyway, we we've covered so much. We haven't even talked about fitness stuff. Oh yeah, we we had a lot of people ask about 
fitness stuff uh, on Twitter. Um, but, you know, oh. the reason why you're here, one of the big reasons why you're here is we're, we're creating a, a program together, um, uh, 90 Days to Diesel, yeah. which we've filmed over the past two days, uh, put together uh, a no-bullshit program, really, right, to, to help guys who are struggling to build muscle and build a, a diesel body, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I think that means it sound good, like 90 yeah. Days Diesel, there's alliteration, but... Yeah, fitness. Here's the thing with muscle building. It's always like both annoyed me and like I work in this industry, so I should not be annoyed by it. Uh, When I was, this sounds so stupid to say, but like I'm going to say it. When I was growing up in the 1990s, you know, early 2000s, (laughs) if you wanted to go lift weights at the gym, you got some muscle magazines and you read them and you're like, wow, man, these guys are huge. And you go to the gym and like you, like, I I think the first time I like asked my dad to buy me a membership because I couldn't, you know, I was like 15 and a half. I couldn't afford one. So my dad, can you just. Like, can you please take me to the gym to buy me. Okay. Then I, I, I walked to the gym for the first year. Like, I'd be oh, like, in yeah. car. And you just go try shit. You'd, like, get the get the copy. You fucking wrote it down and pulled it in the back. And you just go try shit. Be like, all right. Yeah. It says do this for chest or shoulders or leg. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do the things. Just gonna and you it. just threw yourself into it. And then you'd watch, like, bigger guys than you and be like, oh, that guy, that guy looks good. Like, what does he do? Like, all right. Like, he's okay, I'm going to try that. Yep. And it was all self-experimentation. And, I, you know, I think everybody, hopefully at some point, realized, like, okay, like, if you want to get bigger and stronger, you gotta like lift heavy weights. You gotta yep. challenge yourself, and yeah, maybe like I'm, everyone wasted time probably for a few years because they got caught up in like too high volume or doing bullshit exercises. But it was very much like a, it was very exploratory, which is great. And then yeah, what I've seen today, which is like the weirdest thing to me, is that guys they want permission to go fucking train. Oh. And yeah, you know, and like I'll really say, I sell thousands of programs a month. Like around, yeah, you know, like I, I sell a fair number of them. Yeah, and I t- you know, tell guys what to do and the reasoning behind it. Like, I encourage guys to really learn the science, but I also try to inculcate this attitude. Like, you should be, you should already have that attitude where you want to self-develop yourself. Right. You, right. Like, the approach is the process of self-discovery. You should already be in the lab, per se. Yeah, really. Like, you want, yeah, like, your body is a laboratory. Like, you are your greatest experiment. You don't need my permission to, like, go lift the weights properly. You don't need to find out, like, well, we're the best exercise. Like, just go fucking do shit. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah, like, you'll find what works for you on the basis of just, sure. like, experience and just trying things and training, going to the gym and showing up. Uh, yeah, like, I trained for years with not that great results, but I enjoyed the process of it. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah, the 90s diesel program, like, a lot of it, like, why, like I preach practice yourself. It's very old school. Like, it's yeah. nothing f- fancy. It's nothing... Innovate. There's nothing cutting edge in fitness at all. No, no, no. Like we're doing the same shit that guys did 50, 80, 100 years ago. The same movements, you know, similar implements, progressive overload, yep. consistency, and just you know, learning to enjoy the process of it. It, it took. It's taken. It took me probably. You know, I could, like, no one's ever really satisfied with their physique. Sure. But I could say reasonably, like until I was like happy with how I looked. Yeah, that took like four, like four, five or six years where I felt yeah. like good about how I looked. Yeah, and I was doing a lot of stuff wrong. You know, now, like, it's actually kind of nice because you have, like, a lot of, you know, legitimate sort of, like, bro science plus good science plus evidence plus just proven programs. Like, you can actually cut the learning curve down and, oh, and get absolutely. yourself training properly, like, within your first year, which, you know, like, yeah, you know, it, took, took me a, it took me a long time to learn that. Yeah. So, yeah, the 90 days diesel program, like, yeah, it's it's three months of just what's tried and proven to work. And you just follow the principles, follow the workouts, and just let the results speak for themselves at the end of it. Yeah, I think I think there is... I mean, I, get, I hear this all the time from guys. Oh, there's so many opinions. There's so much noise. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what not to believe. Try anything, dude. Honestly. Just get out there and focus on one thing for for a good chunk of time, and I guarantee you'll learn so much, right? If you just if you just put in, uh, not even, I say effort, but if you just take your focus and you, you put the blinders on and you say, all right, for the next 12, 16 weeks or whatever, I'm, I'm just going to follow this program. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test. I'm going to see how I feel, get stronger. 
you're going to look back and say, wow, like I just did, I just learned so much instead of looking at the grass over here, looking at grass over there, and sitting on your couch and go, well, you know what, I, I just don't know the, the exact movements to do, uh, you know, for my upper back and my traps, and so I'm, I'm just going to sit here until the answer appears, and someone on Twitter gives me the permission to go do it, right? That, that, that is a surefire way to stay fucked, for better luck, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it, it really, because what we, what we did as, as youths who were getting into lifting, we, we said, okay, and, and sure, we had maybe, I say maybe less noise. I still think there was a lot of noise oh, yeah, back definitely. then. You know what I mean? I, don't, I, don't, I mean, yeah, we had a shitload of I options. Mean, some of the magazine routines were just stupid, but at the oh, same yeah. time, you, know, you, you got to learn 20 different arm exercises if you did every sure. routine. Like, you built up an encyclopedia of, of ways to train. Right. I mean, you, you have options now and you start to quickly realize what you're good at and what you're not. You know, your strengths and weaknesses and, and you can attack your strengths even better because you now have a plethora of options versus, you know, the guy who just sits back and goes, you know, no, there's just so many options, man. I, I just haven't found the, the perfect one. Yeah, it, yeah, but even though it's like perfection does not exist. So like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a great believer. Like, most training results are very much personality-driven. If you mm-hmm. encounter something, whether it's by your favorite bodybuilder or fitness model or whatever, and you think it's going to work for you, it's probably going to work for you because of your self-belief. Like, one of the best programs I ever ran, and I, I wouldn't do it now because I, I, I outgrew it because sure. it, I, I, my strength went up too much, you know, relative to a beginner dental program. It was like 2000 and 2010, I think, maybe 2009. It was like some sort of deadlift routine. And I think I only I cut out like the first two parts, but I only did like the first part. So, and all it was, I, I can almost like tell you exactly what it was. It was like deadlift, Romanian deadlift, like front squats or goblet squats. Like anything, it was like three sets of five, three by three, three by five, three by three, three by eight. Yeah. Three, like, and I just I kept doing that same fucking workout <laughs> every week, every week for a year. And I got my deadlift. I remember deadlifting like 110. I, I remember getting, so like doing Romanian deadlifts with like the, like the, the easy curl bar, yeah, like 110, yeah, right? Yeah, One yeah, of those, yeah. I'm like, oh man, I can feel my hamstrings, right? This is so cool. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's also leg press in it. Anyway, I did that same routine for a fucking year straight every week. <laughs> and my deadlift went from fucking a plate, you know, 185 body weight to fucking 425 in a year. <sighs> Okay, I mean, you know what? Like, I was so hyped up. It just kept working. My strength yeah. kept going up, and I kept pushing myself. I'm like, and I think back now, I'm like, someone could have told me, like, oh, you're going to overtrain, or yeah, you're going to plateau with your results, or say whatever bullshit, or like, you right, know, like right. this. Essential like, nervous Yeah, you could, so you could break that routine down and say, well, it's incomplete. I'm like, you know what? It fucking worked. I believed in it, and, yeah, it got me way stronger. You know, same thing, like, I, I, tell, I always joke now about the incline bench. I'm like, I've been incline benching now for a few years. I, I, I do not have good chest genetics at all. I got really long arms and like a very like a wide you know upper body but like very sure. flat I'm like I just keep fucking hammering the incline bench every week and I yeah. try to make weights go up a little bit and you know what it's gone from 185 being the max to 255 being the max I'm like mm. something's fucking working so I'm gonna keep doing it sure and I can get down to the, the principles and four by doing the plan like the basic principle is patience and progressive overload and not being a dumbass and maxing out every week and it's putting the reps in yeah. And that applies to literally every fucking muscle group and every fucking exercise. And and the the program, I think, what I loved about it, at least uh, the past couple of days looking through and everything, is is just just how simple it is, right? To where you're not going to feel like you go in and have a, a a science equation that you have to no, solve. No, no. Right? You go in with clarity. You know, you can ha- you can have a great workout and, and not be in the gym for hours upon hours, and, and you don't feel like fuck. I got to have this piece of equipment. I got to have that. You know, it's just it gives you a, a program that. You can you can just go in and basically do it any 
decent gym, right? Any, any average gym, you can go in and crush it and get amazing results because you have a plan that is catered to someone who just wants no bullshit, right? Who just wants to say, hey, I just want to, I want to see the results. I want to have something that isn't going to be super complicated and something that's going to, you know, drive home my primary goal, which is to build muscle. And you know, because there's just so much, there's so many programs out there that make it so much more complicated than it has to be. You know, uh, yeah, it's just are. unnecessary. It, it, it's really, it's strange to me because I've trained with so many people and like all the biggest guys I've ever trained with, they keep things so simple. Oh, like, dude. Like the most developed physiques. Yeah. yeah I mean, then I've, I've seen like the, even the best powerlifters I know where they have like really like they have true career longevity and stay injury free yeah. and like they're still lifting their 40s and like they're, they're, they're not hurt. And like their workouts are like, all right, like uh, one of the guys I follow, uh, Greg Panora, like, yeah, he, um, yeah, he's, I think he's in his 40s now, but it's like his, yeah, I know who does this program. He's a good friend of mine, but like, his, his leg workout, like, our squats, it's like, all right, uh, safety bar squats. It's just like, you know, he's doing, like, he's doing this, like, basic squats. Like, all right, yep. four sets of three, and then one set, like, all out. And then, like, some 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 goblet squats, some lunges. Like, that, 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 that's, I think that's, that's it. it. Leg curl. It's like four things. Sure. It's, like, it's a whole workout. It's like, all right, well, I just, I, this is the heavy thing, three light <coughs> things, and, yeah, that I just do that every week, and I don't fuck with it. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no, there's no changing it up. There's no worrying about the fucking angles or any of this shit. Like, my, my buddy Swede, like, he's – I have a good friend of mine. He's, like, a 500-pound bench presser, and his bench workout is bench pressing. And he, he's good at bench press. He's, like, he bench right. presses. Uh, then he does, like, some fucking dumbbell chest presses. Then he does some tricep extensions. That, that's about it. That's it. <laughs> and he just keeps doing that for 10 years, over and you and get stronger. Like, yeah, dude. It, it doesn't have to be <clears throat> rocket science. I mean, I know – It is not the science for rockets at all. It's not – yeah, I'm losing my voice over here. Um, but anyway, no, I I think it's gonna be it's gonna be met with a lot of uh, a lot of happy people who say, oh, okay, well, for for once, I now have something that doesn't require me to, you know, piece together three different things to just no, kind of get no. understanding. It's just go in, do the work, stay consistent with the program, and follow the follow the, the guidelines, and you're you're gonna see absolutely. Rap- I say rapid, but you you will see if you've never focused on muscle building before you'll see consistency you'll see consistency yeah 100 percent um dude thanks for coming on the show oh, yeah, for sure, brother. it's been awesome yeah. bro <laughs> i know it's funny because i always joke around about like you know twitter oh god you know who knows who's real who's not uh but it's always good to meet someone who's the same Likewise. as they are online bro it's it's awesome man it's it's a pleasure so appreciate you you yeah, dude, it's been super great being with here. Me and everything man yeah it's been awesome dude so good shit um, make sure where, where, where can people connect with you? Cause they're probably like, well, I got to follow them on Twitter. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you, yeah. So the guys, so AJA underscore Cortez, I'm on Twitter. Um, yeah, the, the, the best place is to like follow me if you want like actual, you know, useful information, obviously Twitter feed, uh, the newsletter that I write like yes. three times a week. That's where like all the good stuff is with, with training, with lifestyle, but just like this, anything I'm into at the time, like, you know, read the newsletter, um, Cortez.site, you can find there. And then, you know, like Instagram. I, po- I post a lot on Instagram. I do AMAs on Instagram every week. Sweet. You know, like, the, you know, you get questions answered in video yeah. format, whatever. But, yeah, same thing. AJA Cortez on Instagram. But, yeah, those are the three places. So We'll put all those links in the in the show notes and, and everything. But um, I can vouch for your newsletter. I don't know how long I've been on your newsletter, um, but I always preach to other fitness professionals, too. Like, you know, you can learn so much from people who know what they're doing. Uh, and your newsletter is I mean, you should probably charge for it. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's that good. <laughs> it's really, really rock solid. So if you're somebody out there who's just interested in any part of life improvement, besides, I mean, fitness, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, keep it pretty broad. You, you, so. Yeah, you keep a lot of a lot of value there, man. So appreciate that. It's awesome. I appreciate it. All right, cool, man. Sweet. Thank you for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to the show. True Transformation.